0: Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. This is the Comedians Comedian Podcast and today I'm very pleased to be speaking to an absolute tumble dryer of daftness, a combine harvester of picking up crazy little ideas and turning them into other things. Uh, This is Olaf Falafel. Uh, we won't be speaking to Olaf because he is a comic character. We will instead be talking to his creator, Derek Chickpeas, who I will confusingly refer to as Olaf throughout the interview. Um, we're going to talk about the way his mind works. We're going to talk about all of his projects, including his uh, uh, Olaf Falafels Art Club, which was one of those lockdown superstar things, um, and some of his other work in the realm of writing and illustrating for children, including such books as Old MacDonald Heard a PARP, One Giant Leak, and also all manner. Of other little bits and bobs, not to mention his entirely, not entirely separate, um, but uh, his very different stand up career, which manages to take the same sense of humour, attention to detail, and penchant for over delivering and turn it into something that grown-ups could enjoy whilst drinking alcohol. There's nearly an hour of extras available if you're a member of the Insiders Club, because me and Derek Olaf spoke for ages, um, including an exploration of his copycat-inspiring success on Vine and the relief he felt at its collapse, some further investigation of his bubbly mind, and why he probably won't illustrate your kids' book idea. Sorry. Um, That's all available if you go to comedianscomedian.com slash insiders and sign up for a minimum £2 a month subscription, uh, or as much more than that as you want. And of course, that gets you access to hundreds of hours now of uh, extra content from all the episodes that have it. In this episode, we are going to talk about uh, his uniquely brilliant Edinburgh Fringe flyer designs, how he prioritises or fails to prioritise the millions of things he does, and how he manages to stay so goddamn happy. Here is Olaf Falafel. So, Olaf, um, welcome to the podcast. It's so good to see your big hairy face. You've got such a fun face to look at. And not just because it's amusingly sort of cod Scandinavian, but also because <laughs> you are just a really warm person and you're one of those. P- I remember gigging with you at. Um, I mean, it would have been like the first time we gigged together it was a long time ago. It was I think I for. Remember it. I don't remember. It was like a sort of. It wasn't Lichfield, but it could have been. It was one of those kind of places, sort of north of London. Leighton Buzzard. Was it Leighton Buzzard? I th- was it Leighton
1: Buzzard? Letchworth. <laughs> Letchworth.
0: Letchworth, thank you. Letchworth. Not, not Litchfield, the Litchworth. Litchworth. There we go. Um... And it's a shame that that uh, game didn't go on for longer, because <laughs> two ageing comedians struggle to remember towns in Britain. It's a Beginning with the letter <laughs> No, don't do more, don't do more. And um, if my wife were here, she'd say, do five more. <laughs> um, we gig together, and I remember just really... You're one of those people I remember really getting on with it at a gig and going, oh, yeah, fizz, 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 because you've got a really fizzy mind, right? You've got a good comedy mind where... It's just a big processor for noticing daftness and creating daftness and all of that stuff spilling out of you. like You're like a like a combine harvester for stupid ideas. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if the analogy holds. No, No, I, yeah,
1: I, I think you're right. It, it, I, I've got that knack of seeing stuff and storing it away until it's useful um, and thinking to, to myself. I, I make a lot of notes... In my head, and I make a lot of notes on my phone of things like if I'm seeing like oh, I'm trying to think of something now. I get a lot of the stuff from walking to school with my daughter, and like the other day the wind was up and there was a wheelie bin that just came out of nowhere. And in my head, I'm thinking, ghost wheelie bin. What what can we do with that? Um so I'm quickly making a note of that. And it, it's one of those um I don't quite know what it is. <laughs> it's it's a brain thing. I'm some kind of weird brain thing.
0: And and you and you you don't simply have the medium of stand-up comedy with which to employ this brain thing of yours because you're a brilliant cartoonist and children's like celebrated children's author these days, right? <laughs> like we we need to we need to set you up who you are because I keep forgetting when I do the show. I sort of always assume that if someone's on the show, then the listenership should accept that I think they're brilliant. they're a reason they're on it, but I feel <laughs> I almost feel like I should say, "What's your best thing? Like, <laughs> what's your biggest thing you like to show off about?" Um, to establish who you are for the listener who might not know you.
1: Oh, wow. It's so difficult because I'm I'm one of those comedians who... I I feel like there's a lot of sort of Venn... There's a lot in my Venn diagram. And there's there's lots of things that I've done. And not necessarily many of them have been like massive or anything. But combined, it makes a kind of a nice pot of Olaf-ness. Yeah, um,
0: right. Okay.
1: I get I guess I love I love the kids books this uh, from making them to I love going to schools and sort of doing workshops and I I I guess that is the thing at the moment especially since the lockdown yeah uh, is really kind of fueled me uh creatively yes.
0: you're one of those lockdown champions who was doing great you know you're doing like you know when I gigged, gig with you and I've with you several times I've sort of seen you doing really funny sparky daft one-liners kind of held up within systems like biscuitology you know where it's like a it's a funny idea which is itself a kind of carrier for lots of other funny ideas within it you're, you're very good at those things and I think you're part of I suppose part of your visibility, we'll we'll talk about more about this later, but part of your kind of image or brand, if you like, is the guy who's noodling around at Edinburgh with really inventive, silly posters. And like, you had one of the best titles for a show, Expect the Onyx Porcupine, which was (laughs) just, it's just one of those like, oh God, why didn't I think of that? Just a brilliantly, brilliantly silly idea. Um, So uh, what was my point? I've lost my thread. Um, that you are, uh, oh yes, so you were doing great before the lockdown, you were sort of, you know, powering along doing loads of stuff, and then within lockdown you ended up creating your art club and kind of becoming one of those people who became a sort of lodestone for people who were on on their own in their houses or with their kids, freaking out, and you kind of managed to sort of channel the creativity into something positive and helpful for people.
1: Yeah, that was purely down to, I mean, we're all, we're all the same. I love the fact that comedians are, they're sort of grifters and grafters and we'll all, we'll always kind of, we've got to sell ourselves. We've got to do something. And when you've got rid of the, the live going out there in front of a group of strangers, making them laugh thing, we instantly, well, not instantly, but a lot of us kind of got on the Zoom, uh, started doing our own podcast, started doing our own thing. And I've I'd had it in the back of my mind because I've been visiting schools. So 2019 was the 50th anniversary of the moon landings. I had a book out called Hold on, I've got it here. I've got a little stack of my books here. It's one giant leak for mankind. <laughs> and yeah, it's a pun, <laughs> and it's also a kind of it's, it's factual. It's always a good good uh, quote from Tim Peake on the back.
0: I'm pretty sure this isn't what happened, but it's brilliantly funny. Tim Peake, hey, Tim actual Peake. astronaut. Yeah, nice. What does he
1: know, eh? Um, so I, I, because it was the 50th anniversary, I decided as a publicity thing, I'm always trying to think of how can you publicise these things and how can you do, like like I say, where we're grifting and grafting. Oh, grif- grifting's the bad one, oh, isn't grifting's it?
0: Grifting's the bad one, yeah. <laughs> Graft-
1: grafting's a good one. Grifting's elements, the...
0: elements of grifting come into it because a lot of yeah. it is a hustle, isn't it? You've got to make a thing happen when nothing happened.
1: We need a new one that's somewhere, a gruft. <laughs> I was grufting along and I thought to myself, well, it's the 50th anniversary. What could be a cool kind of thing to do? And I thought, well, visit 50 schools in 50 days with this book. And that ended up, it went, it went quite well. And schools would then recommend me to another school. And it ended up being like 100 schools in 100 days. And that finished, I think my last one was the March 2020, just before the pandemic, I had a few more booked in that weren't part of this that were like World Book Day and a few other things. And I'm one of these people where if I haven't got something to do, that's when the whole kind of dad will go around the house being grumpy and like, oh, I need something to do. I've got to be busy. And all of my kind of channels for busyness were gone. And I I thought, well, one of the things that the kids love when I visit the schools is the draw-along, draw-along, draw-along. That's easy for me to say. <laughs> um And with this book, we we drew these moon baboons that you yeah. can see there, and yeah. they love that. And I just thought, oh, what? I could start doing draw-alongs on YouTube. And there's loads of fantastic illustrators for kids' books who were doing these things. Some of them had been doing them already and had like a head start. I had, I think it was 16 YouTube subscribers when I first had the idea of doing something, And I thought, well, I've always loved, I've studied art, art history, and I've always been sort of enthusiastic about that and teaching my own kids about various artists. And to the point of being a bit boring about it, I thought, well, it could be quite cool to do something that has a fun element to it, but then also introduce stealth, comedy, art teaching to kids. So, yeah, that that was the idea. And it, it quickly took off. And I think, you know, it was a captive audience. We, it was it was in that those halcyon days of doing cartwheels across golf courses and um, the schools hadn't quite uh, got on to setting proper lessons so yeah it was it was pretty much if you want to do something cool it was every Monday it was for it was like a half hour to 40 minute episode I tried to make it like a TV show so there were like songs and and um, it, there was Flight of the Concord-esque songs, uh, mm-hmm. about famous artists. So, for example, one of my favourite ones was Bridget Riley's Disco Pants. Uh, in, it was kind of in a bit of a Bridget Riley's Disco Pants kind of, um, yeah, new way kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and there was like Salvador Dali's Barmy Army, which was like a football chant. And, but then there were, yeah, there were, there were draw alongs and then there were other art uh, related things and that just snowboarded and my 16 subscribers went up to like 2000, 3000. It kind of slowly crept up and yeah, it was, it was just, it, it was that dopamine hit that you, I was getting in a comedy club or in Edinburgh. I was, I was getting via emails from parents saying, you know my uh, quite a common one was my my kids are always too scared to draw or always too scared to mess up or get things wrong and that was a big thing that I wanted to get across was even I'm rubbish (laughs) do you know what I mean (laughs) um and and when I'm doing the sort of draw alongs and so I'd make a mistake and I'd a bit Bob Ross you know happy little accident type thing that you know there's, there's there's no such thing as a mistake you know just my eldest daughter she's had to do a literally yesterday had to do a a portrait of one of her teachers and the first one she did uh, she she made uh, the teacher's got red hair and she messed up the eyebrow and she tried to correct it and ended up the whole face looking brown Uh, like too brown like it it, it looked like her IT teacher (laughs) yeah and I said, well, you can either turn it into your IT teacher and make the hair black or you can start again. And, uh, she, she was kind of devastated about it. But I said, you know, it is a mistake, but use it as a learning opportunity to, and that's another thing, uh, I quite enjoyed about doing it and going into schools as well is talking about resilience with kids and about how. If you do mess up, then it's not the end of the world. You can sort of see it as... I take in my sketchbooks to show them. Uh, for example, the, the Moon Baboon there. I had to draw, say, 20, 25 different ones before I got it looking exactly how I did. And people, quite a common thing with kids is if it's not right the first time, then it's, you know, I can't do it. Yeah. To try, it's, it's easier said than done. But yeah, but that, going back to the, the art club, that was my... Kind of hit of ego massage, dopamine uh, uh, injection, or it was yeah. it was getting emails, it was getting tweets from people saying, "Oh, my son would never consider picking up a pencil, or if he got it wrong, that'd be the end of the day." But seeing you do it as kind of encouragement and helping, and I get it from teachers as well, saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks, um, I, I don't have to set a lesson or this is one less lesson <laughs> I have to set. Or, so no, it, it was really good and it was really fun. And it, and it led on to uh, other little opportunities and things. So it was financially, it was, um, I mean, I'm not one of these huge YouTube stars or anything. Uh, so it, it was one of those, you know, I'd get a little um, paycheck from yeah. Google or whoever it is, whoever it is Google, uh, once a month or whatever. And it wasn't a lot, but it was, you know, it it was worth it. I stupidly kept all the ads off I, in some kind of weird honour. You know, this is <laughs> yeah. Then, come on,
0: good for you, good for you.
1: And and it was only then after I sort of after the uh, the lockdown was over, I, I stopped making them. And that when once the schools kind of wised up, wised up to setting lessons and that sort of thing, yeah. it, it kind of it plateaued. It didn't grow anymore. Yeah. And also, I had another I had a book that I needed to illustrate. So my time, these things were. Production values and stuff were quite high considering mm-hmm. it was just and the writing of it. It was like three days out of my week. Um, so what was my point? My point? No, it, it led on to some, you know, some cool stuff. And the, the book that I've got that I've got out in July yeah. is art related. And that came off the back of one of the parents of an art club viewer, was an editor at Puffin. And she basically said, Big Art Club fans, big Olaf fans, Would have you ever written... So I've done picture books before. I've done quite a yeah. few picture books, but I've never done a chapter book. Would you be up for doing an art-related chapter book? So, yeah, I've got a... Uh, I mean, I, it's, I, don't, I don't want to be as crude as to plug it, but I'm going to plug it. No, I can
0: plug <laughs> it. It's called Trixie Pickle Art Avenger, and I've had a look at it, and it's proper. Yes! Uh, I
1: mean, for the benefit of the pro- pro- listener,
0: we might use a little bit of this on YouTube, but uh, for the benefit of uh, the listener, it is a book printed out in PDF form on lots of bits of co- computer paper and it's like a proper like a manuscript of a real thing and we're talking yeah. like t- 200 and something
1: pages yeah it is a lot of pages but I mean it is bumped out with bumped out with lots and lots of cartoons I think I've, I've just had to write some of them I've not got the actual uh copies back yet. I'm expecting them any day. So all I've got is a PDF as well that is printed out that I refer back to, but I'm expecting actual physical copies soon. And then there's yeah. going to be a mailer that goes out to all the sort of people who can make your book successful. Gotcha. All okay. the, I've had to, I've had to schmooze with the whole. Another set of gatekeepers. Um, (laughs) So you've got, you know, the people who can, rather than you just being one of a thousand books in Waterstones, you get on that little table. Yes, I've heard a little tiny bit about you get a certain amount of time on the table. And if it goes
0: off, it goes off. And if it doesn't go off, they pulp all of your books and dance on your (laughs) grave. That's what I've heard. I've no idea.
1: But yeah, I've just had to write. I mean, this probably says a lot about me. I've just had to write the PR people at Puffin asked me to write a heartfelt letter to go in. And the way my brain works, I, I hear the word heartfelt and I have to do a little felt heart to stick Nice. With it. Oh, that's lovely. And I, I've, my letter's got lots of little doodles on it. They were expecting me to just email back 200 words in an email, but I can't do that. I've, I'm thinking, I've made a little joke about if Daft Punk worked in kids publishing. And I thought, well, well, that, that needs a little doodle in there. So I've got kind of, <laughs> da- daft punk, uh, with a so is this of
0: is, is that sort of thing? Is it a happy accident that, like, presumably, I, I can see that being very successful. Like, quite apart from the book, I can see that sort of, like, those are very, those are very much your kind of, like, artistic values. Like, you, you kind of over deliver on silly little whimsical, dark things <laughs> that feel very real and very honest. And and like that's important to you. Is it just a happy accident that that will we hope go on to be a very successful thing that makes people take risks on you and spend money on you and what have you? Like, is there any is there any kind of shrewdness to it? Beyond oh, there's plenty the of... of shrewdness.
1: Yeah, there, right. Yeah, yeah. right. okay. Oh yeah, of course. I'm I'm cynic, not cynical. I'm I'm like um, calculated to the fact where I could have just emailed back a two hundred words email and let the guys at Puffin put it into their template or whatever they do with it and but it just if I was receiving that I tried to put myself in the shoes of whoever's receiving it if it came with a silly little felt heart stuck to it and with some doodles that actually have come from me rather than then that's going to Count a little bit more, and then it might only give me that five percent chance of getting on the table at Waterstones or sure. uh, being independent bookseller's book of the month, or whatever these you know, or get a nice review from someone who's been handed a copy. But that five percent is worth cutting out a hundred, cutting out a hundred felt hearts. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Because I think the same with your your Edinburgh stuff. When I've seen your... Like, I remember you had flyers, and there were how many different designs on the same flyer? (laughs) Actually, I've got those. Was was it you and Michael Stranny that were doing... You did, like, you split an hour. Was that, like, your first... That was Expect um, the Onyx
1: Porcupine, yeah. That was
0: Expect the Onyx Porcupine, um, which is a... I mean, to me, that should have ended punning titles... Because now when people do kind of putting their name in a title or putting their you know, like a whatever, those kind of things like Joe Lysett did very well and Glenn Moore oh, does yeah. a lot now, you know. So they're very really funny jokes. But I felt like you took the form on and then I was like, Well, come on, but surely we've got to take the form on from that. Like the the title is hidden in the I mean, it was everything I, about that joke I love. And I, I was just I like, Well, it. no more no more punning titles now. That's done, right?
1: Yeah, I, I I wasted it on uh a split show.
0: On a split show. <laughs> I
1: should've I should've should, should said I love Michael, by the way. Uh, so what we did uh for Expect the Onyx Porcupine, because I'm an illustrator, I said, right, I'll handle the flyers. I'll do the flyers and I I made one different cover for every day one different flyer for every day of the run based on the same kind of template. It's yes. myself a cartoon of myself and a cartoon of Michael who's Probably half the size of me. I think my own children are taller than him. And once you flick through, you can kind of see all the different ones. And there were... So there's you know, Skeletons, Adventure there's, there's Adventure and Time, Vikings, Hot Dogs, and,
0: Vikings, heads exploding. It's great.
1: Yeah, Michael's Irish, so we got like a St. Patrick's Day one. There's the Beatles, Wayne's World, E.T., Naked Ones, <laughs> uh, Star Wars, Skeletons. Uh, and but again,
0: it's it's one of those things where I kind of, I saw that and I was like, who would do that? Who would, like, that's what an, what an, like, was so much extra work, like, massive over delivery. But of course, at the same time, I was like, bloody great. That's, they're the, they're the best, they're the best flyers in town from 3,000 shows.
1: And it worked, right? Well, it, it it was a, that was, hands up, it was a happy accident. The idea to do a different one, that was just a gimmick. It was one where when we were flying, when me and Michael were out on the, grass market handing out our flyers we could kind of chat to people and say oh we've got different ones which one do you want sort of thing and give them an option it's just a way of getting them in and talk i love flyering it's, it's a lot, lot of acts don't but i love that kind of just getting to chat with people and because it's i use these as a barometer as well if you don't like the flyers you're not going to like the show so um it was a happy accident that they looked like they were animating they weren't intended to but because i yeah. got the and then I thought, well... So I just for use- the benefit of the listener, you can use
0: them like a flick book when, they're, when you yeah. bunch them together, you can flick them and they look like they're animating, yeah.
1: So yeah, I have to go to a special printer for that. And it does cost a bit extra as well as it taking a lot of time. It costs a bit extra, but it is worth it because um after that, I then used the... the I kind of... Rather than it being a happy accident, I thought, well, what if I purposefully make it animate? So for example, what have I, my last show... 2019, was called Knitting with Maracas. Um, And I've got... I don't know if you can see it.
0: Oh, I saw that one. Yes, that's brilliant. So... So what Go on, describe it, Stu. You. So there's uh, Olaf Falafel's face uh, with a bald head and a beard that is knitted. So his beard By and eyebrows mom. are knitted. And standing uh, on top of his knitted eyebrows are two little cartoon versions of himself who are playing the maracas. And I guess there's what, how many images is that? Like seven or eight images? That eight. then Eight, eight images eight, on the cycle. There. Oh, I'm an expert. Eight <laughs> images. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> and they And they play the maracas. So you animate the thing, which is just beautiful.
1: But yeah, that's that. That is that. That's totally brand for That is that's, and it, when you said about brand build, it is a kind of a brand, isn't it? It's, it's, it's not
0: even a kind of a brand. It's absolutely one hundred percent a brand. It's just that the values of the brand are positivity, warmth, uh, effort, lots and lots of lovely things. Like there's nothing. Ab- there's nothing wrong with a brand. A, a brand per se, um, no. particularly when a lot of people's brands are cooler than cool arch kind of look do you know what I mean if you think of most of the awesome like people oh. want to go up there and have an awesome poster that makes them look cool because deep down they know they're a loser right <laughs> like all of us including myself in that <laughs> whereas yours is just really warm and inventive and silly and positive and that's a brand there's nothing
1: wrong with that oh i'm getting bashful now um no it it, it is cynical is a horrible word but it is planned and it is yes. thought about there's a lot of thought put in there. and i think thought and love are you know they're bedfellows and i do think about everything and even down to the little i think the little details are kind of what what i like in things i always think i always think back to what do i like in things and for example um there was a i had an interview about books and it was like what was my uh, favorite book as a kid. And there was a book called The Ha Ha Bonk Book. and <laughs> d- uh, It was by Janet and Alan Alberg, who you might yes, know so from that, the Jolly Postman. Yeah, place yeah right I, know, I think I know it, yeah. This, The Ha Ha Bonk Book was a, it was a joke book. And I remember it at school. And I remember like one of my best mates having it. And I had to go out and get it. And it was, not only were the jokes in it great. And I love jokes, but there were characters throughout it that, it was a level of detail that didn't need to be there, but you had like, one of the characters was a, a fork with legs and it had a little sausage on top that also had a face and they'd walk along and they'd talk about something at the very beginning of the book. They'd be like, oh, I can't wait for this book to get started. And then sort of three or four pages in, they'd uh, they'd be doing something else and there'd be another little, there'd be a teapot that would come along and an aeroplane. And then they throughout the book there are all these other little hidden stories woven in and the reason I liked it was because there was that level of detail and there was that kind of extra effort and you could sense that well at the time I probably couldn't tell that there'd been extra work and love put into it but I loved it and that's kind of what I like to do with, with my stuff is certainly with my kids books is put in those extra little bits of effort and extra little kind of bits that I don't necessarily have to do and people often say, "My other half often says, "You're nuts, why why <laughs> why, why why have you spent the last five hours making a bum anime or what do you know what I mean? I, I do these things and that they, they'll, they'll get back from work and say, "What have you done today?" and I, I feel like I'm giving my kids an unrealistic expectation of what work is, and, and you probably have the same <laughs>
0: So this is Olaf or Derek, depending on uh, what mood you and he are in, Uh, and I'm really enjoying it. He's just a a very warm and wonderful person, and I think by the end you will be able to uh, hear me attempting to chisel through his extraordinarily robust happiness to find out Well, not deliberately to try and break it, but to sort of see if it can be broken. And you won't be surprised to learn that it almost certainly can't. There is just something to be said for being really good at something or being really good at several things. As as, uh, Derek explores, uh, Olaf is um, a sort of master of master of none, but jack of almost all trades, which is one of those annoying uh, pedantic things, isn't it? That if you actually look at the original phrase, uh, then was it jack of all trades, master of none? But better than a master of one or something? I don't know. Like You can't do pedantry when you haven't done the reading. The one that always annoys me is um, feed a cold, starve a fever. You know what that means, right? It doesn't mean uh, you should feed a cold and you should starve a fever. It means if you feed a cold, you will get a fever and have to starve, all right? So no more of this bullshit in my inbox. All you people who continually, every day, day in, day out, send uh, that sentence to me uh, misusing it. All right. I'm tired and still bunged up. How is this possible? So sorry. Listen, uh, we'll get back to Olaf Falafel in just a second. Um, and we will also... Uh, oh, I'll tell you where you can find him. You can go... You can find follow him on Twitter. He's very, very funny on Twitter. Uh, o Falafel. Um But someone had presumably already taken o Falafel because on Instagram and indeed TikTok, he is Olaf Falafel. So do that and go to his website, Uh, www.olaffalafel.com. I've had to spell it five times in the show notes and I found it very difficult. It didn't get easier with each growing time. This podcast is at comcompod on Twitter uh, and I'm at Stuart Goldsmith Comedy on Instagram and TikTok. Yes, I broke. I broke. We had a great week. Did I tell you about this last time? We opened a TikTok account, me and Callum uh, from Infinite Sofa Fame, uh, and we we opened a TikTok account. The second video we ever posted went massively viral, viral, viable. Has now we went completely viable. Um, I think at the time of recording, that's had about three million views. So I suddenly ended up with eight and a half thousand TikTok followers overnight, and not to mention a sort of yawning chasm of uh, well, what? It's sort of it, it's just you you start one of these. Uh, one of these social medias that they have nowadays, and you just it's like bloody Twitch, it's like being on Twitch, it's like a little permanent window onto some stuff. It's but it would, Twitch is like having a sort of a window in your house through which, as a performer, every time you walk past it, you think, Oh Christ, there they all are looking at me, I better do stuff. Whereas TikTok and Instagram, if you use them probably incorrectly, as I almost certainly do, are like tiny little mouths, little in the wall, just a little circular mouth with teeth in it that's just going, chomp, 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 come on, feed more stuff in, feed more stuff in. Um, And then, of course, you put stuff in. And if if you're lucky enough, as I've been in the last week or two, that, that loads of people like it and watch it and comment on it. Then, of course, me being the cringy little fucker that you know I am, I then feel like I need to reply to them all personally. <laughs> so I, I, I'm I trying to sort of find my voice in terms of social media replies. My favourite thing I've said so far, and this is certainly hashtag cringe, is let's not turn that into a thing. Okay, forget I said that. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, it's listen, this is a, an oblique reference to last week's episode with Helen Bauer, in which, certainly in the Insiders Club material, uh, we talked about the differences between basic and being cringe, and uh, there were some, shall we say, home truths. You'll need to join the Insiders Club to get hold of that, and even if you're in it already, I highly recommend skipping that bit. My point being that uh, when you are me, uh, you have favourite replies of yours, I think. Someone commented on the end of a routine, or they guessed the end of a routine, and I said, but that's in the routine. And they said, well, it's... What did they say? Oh, they, I think their comment was that they didn't watch to the end. <laughs> I said something like, sir, this routine is 27 seconds long. But I quite like the idea of being polite and respectful, to every fucking oik on social media. You may as well try you may as well. So, um, back to Olaf Falafel after these important dates, all of which I am reading verbatim from stuartgoldsmith.com slash comedy, which is where all the dates should be found these days. Obviously, I'm at the Edinburgh Fringe, so go to uh, stuartgoldsmith.com slash comedy, um, uh, click on the little fancy, I think it's called a puffin button, a puffin button that kind of, it sort of, it it exists initially behind your eyes and then slams itself onto the screen. I think that's called a puffin. Um, And then there are some tour that's not a tour worth in progress dates in Wells, Swindon, Bournemouth, Salisbury, Bath, Fordingbridge, Bristol, Cardiff, Oxford and Tring. All of them are within two hours of my house. If you want to see me more often, you should come and live near, but not with me. I'm not going to go into dates. They're all in June and July. And if you want to go, if you want to find out more, go to stuartgoldsmithcom slash comedy and then painstakingly cut and paste the ticket link that is there, because the links are not clickable and I can't fix it. Um thank you to those of you who've been in touch to tell me ways that I could fix it by replacing it with a much less functional and fast system. This is the happy medium that I am accepting for now. Uh, if you're on mobile, of course, you can simply long press and then any phone worth its salt when you long press on the link will open the link. So it's not my problem. All right. Thank you. Back to the interview with Olaf now. That Now, that's it. Here's Olaf. As you say, over-delivering, doodles in the margin. So you saw those, and it makes me think that... I, I, I'm i sure I've seen Ha Ha Bonk. And um, it makes me think of the Great Smile Robbery as well. I don't know if you remember that, which was yes. just such... this just wonderful, and I kind of remembered it and then got it out of the library for my son to look at. And all the stuff about the stinkers, I was like, oh my God, I don't like <laughs> this at all. But there's so many silly little jokes. Tickets, please. And, oh, fares, please. No, they don't. You know, just loads of stuff <laughs> which would have gone totally over my head as a kid. But the fact of the fact of so much care being it's like care and attention put into it and it does it does transmit a different message doesn't it it's not just here's my funny stuff it's I can't help myself I'm just c- constantly giving you everything and it's like um I think that's great
1: oh, I think- no, no that I mean I don't know what to say to that apart from thank you very much um yeah that days it's not a I wouldn't say it's um it's a a mantra or anything, but it is something that's kind of ingrained in what I do and everything I think about. I think, well, I I, I can't, I was going to say I can't do things by half, but I have got quite a sloppy aesthetic. I like kind of homemade shoddiness. I'm not, I mean, there's, there's people who will make videos and make things and they look like polished and well, like Alistair Beckett King makes the most wonderful lit Mm -hmm. sound. uh, And if I have an idea, I'm not that level of perfection. What am I trying to say here? I don't know what I'm trying to say. I I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's, it's <laughs> I, I the, guess the the
0: there's detail
1: going, go there's de- there's detail that I like, but not necessarily to the kind of the polished level all the time. It's a kind of a slapshod aesthetic, I think, that I have. Yes.
0: Yes. I, I and it's not it's that. but it's not it's not Spencer Jones' other end of the scale, I've gaffed a thing and there's some string and you can see all the bits and the price tags hanging off, you know, that kind of stuff. It's it it's it's like the 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 specificity is in the amount of effort that's gone in rather like it's in the content rather than the frame.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, that, that's how, I'm,
0: I'm, I can live with that. <laughs> <laughs> because I think this interesting something you said about detail. Like, that's very, if we look at, if we look at your stand up or stand up in general through the paradigm of art, there are so many kind of parallels there, aren't there? Like, like the idea that you want to be as detailed and precise as possible. That's really important to stand up, isn't it? That's like, we know that. It's about word choice. The right word choice in a joke yeah. is going to yeah, make obviously. or break the joke. Do you think that you are, do you, what do you see as being the kind of the consistent factors between the way you practice illustration and the way you practice stand-up, and what are the differences?
1: I, I think, yeah, the the, the word choices. I mean, that's a very it's a very sort of Gary Delaney sort of Twitter thing where it's you know it's. It's paring things down. It's getting that right. You know, do I say that word there? Do I say, and that, that's yeah. very, um, sort of meticulous and detailed. But I think and,
0: and sometimes, it, sometimes what they do on Twitter, I discovered off Stevie Martin on this very podcast is you would deliberately, you would tweak the, did you hear that one? Do you remember I, that one? I listened bit? to that one where you, yeah. you spell
1: stuff slightly wrong or you, you, you start s- with a lowercase you, letter, which, yes,
0: exactly, yeah. which makes it seem more haphazard. And guys, I've just, yeah. this crazy idea has just come out of my head. It's so natural, so organic, you know. Well,
1: I found myself not using the word I a lot. So instead of like, I'm going to do this, or I'm just going to do this. There's things like that that just make things in proper English. You'd say, I'm going down to the, I
0: don't know
1: why I'm going, I'm going down to the bakers, but it's like going down to the bakers. Yeah, there's, there's, it's, it's
0: developing its own language isn't it and like picking up on those kind of trends of language and how quickly it moves and shifts I find absolutely fascinating like I don't know where it comes from but there's something I see on American Twitter and that's starting to be used by British comics now is not me doing something. But then the thing that you're saying is the thing that you are doing, but it's also <laughs> if you're going, Oh, I, I can't believe I'm doing this. So you go, not me going to the bakers uh, <laughs> or something. like it's, that. It,
1: it is like we need to, it, we're constantly having to keep up and constantly having to learn a new language every six totally. months, but it's, it's, totally. it's, not every six, it's, it's, it's constant. It's, it's always evolving. And I mean, Having, having kids at the age that I've, I've got a 10 and just turned 13. So I've, I'm now a teenager dad and they're both into TikTok and they will, I mean, I'm on it. I've got, I think I've got about 40,000. I'm, I'm not active by any means. I think yeah. I've done, and, and I've, I've almost had to stop because they've told me to or, or because a lot of their friends have like, uh, follow your dad on TikTok. <laughs> but they're, they're constantly telling me about stuff <laughs> and keeping me sort of abreast of what is down with the kids. Um, but yeah, it's, it's even, even from pop artists to, um, I'm just, uh, just trying to think of, you know, they're, they're big Bo Burnham fans because of TikTok and they're, um, they're, they're telling me, they, they send me Gifts of things that I don't understand, and then they have to yeah. explain them to me. And yeah. I'm like, God, how old do I feel? Uh, totally. totally yeah, you're good. right. With the, with the, going back to the, the, language of, of Twitter and the joke kind of trimming it down. And that is kind of, I'd say there's, for, for my stand up, I'm, um, I think you, you said it earlier on. I, I'm, I, I kind of like a good vehicle like Biscuitology and there's there's one that I'm trialling at the moment which is all to do with uh, a mind-reading mic stand which is basically just a way of fitting my stupid, some of them aren't even jokes, their thoughts, into a set, into a way and almost forcing them onto other people kind of makes it quite funny and I love the the, the just messing with people in the audience and but in a kind kind of way. Some of it can be quite cruel but We've got a kind of a trust that I am just an idiot and everything I say I don't mean sort of thing. Yes. So, yes. um, like the brisketology for those, for people I'll probably explain. It's, um, I, I kind of have a, a little book I keep in my back pocket and at a point in the gig or a gig, I will bring it out and, I will, I'll ask if anyone's into horoscopes or astrology or crystals or, you know, that kind of thing. And then I, I basically say, if if someone puts their hand up and says yes, I'll, I'll say that, that's rubbish and that tends to get a laugh. And uh, I'll then say that I've invented something that's far more accurate character representation technique. It's called biscuitology. Uh, if you tell me your favourite biscuit, I can tell you a little bit about your personality. And it's nothing to do with people's personality it's really it's just a vehicle for me to tell a funny thought slash joke so for example if some some of the biscuits obviously I've developed little jokes that are down to the biscuits um I mean there's a good one for hobnob which you can you probably don't have to work too hard to guess what it is but um uh but it written down in in the book are several little kind of semi thoughts. So, for example, uh, one of my favourite ones is. Uh, so, what, what's your favourite biscuits do?
0: Uh, my, I like um, uh, I like a dark chocolate digestive
1: dark chocolate digestive from the Latin digestivum digestavium biscuitavium. Um, I'm glad you said dark chocolate because this is very specific as well. So I'll, I'll look down and I'll pretend that I'm looking through, uh, have yeah. got the, uh, rich, t- ah, dark. And then I will deliver a thought. One of my favorites is, ah, dark ch- chocolate digestive. Uh, it says here, according to Biscuitology, you are the kind of person who likes to save the two halves of a pistachio shell and use them to make the sound of a very far away horse. And then do yeah, a little yeah, mime of true. me. So the, it's, it, it's, it's a vehicle. And yeah. I, the good thing about that is every time I get a new thought, I can think, well, that can slip straight into Biscuitology or... And I've got some that are slightly crueler than others. Uh, some people give me that, like Ed Hedges, the, the comedian he gave me. Yeah, I know a really Ed very great, well. Love Ed. Yeah. He gave me a great one. Um, and I've got to credit him on. Uh, it, it was, he says, Oh, if you've got anyone who's been a bit of a dick, <laughs> this is a good one. And it is, um, ah, <laughs> oh, rich, rich tea. Uh, let me have a quick look. Ah, it says, you are the kind of person who likes to go to Alton Towers or any other amusement park. And we'll buy photos of other people's families. <laughs> <laughs> That's lovely. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it is just a bit. Ve- I love, I love the the, the vehicle. And this, this I'm doing a thing at the moment. I've been doing it for a few months where it's, I, I pick up the mic and pretend it's a mind reading device. But then again, that that is just a way of transmuting my silly thoughts, or, or just giving yes. them a, a reason to. Yes,
0: is it? Be- and is. Is is there a sorry to jump? Is there um is there a, a kind of parallel there between the fact that when you it, it's like you need a margin to doodle in? Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like you need like you need when you're writing a book, you can go right. This is the adventure. The kid, the guy goes to space or lands on the moon or what have you. And these are all the subsidiary jokes and silly things that come in around it. And but similarly with the stand up, it's less like you're less likely to do a kind of. Stu Francis or Gary Delaney I mean even Gary, what Gary would say as he said on this podcast that you know having a system where you go and now, and now this now we'll do 10 of these and now we'll do yeah. something of these and now or you know in Jimmy Carr's early shows he'd go he'd just go over and sit behind a desk for the next 10 minutes <laughs> it'd just be one liners again you know it could all be achieved just standing at a mic but the vehicle as you say gives you the opportunity to sort of make them a bit more elastic and give us a sense of Structure, even if it's a pretend one.
1: Yeah, it's a complete pretense of a structure. But you're right; it gives me a chance to just play around a bit more, and it to break up. And the good thing is, you can I can just slip it into my back back pocket and then do a little bit about working in an old people's home or something like that, and then bring it back out again and say, sort of, who wants to do a few more of these sort of thing? And it's when I do an Edinburgh show, there is there tends to be a, a, a story. <laughs> there's not a structure but I, I think to myself well I've, I've got this this will be funny to play around with the audience this and sort of chunk it like that and then think well I can do a bit of biscuitology there and a little bit there and then perhaps, and it, it, it's just a way of yeah fragmenting it all otherwise you're right it, it would become just lo- no one wants a barrage of jokes yeah <laughs> <I>
0: mean, <laughs> no, one,
1: no one wants, wants jokes no they one wants think a barrage they do. Of jokes they want some some stuff in between some silly stuff in between um
0: Talk talk to me about the writing of the jokes. If I look, and I don't, I know some of these are from your new show. So tell me of if I oh. kind of mention these, if you don't want them given away. But the um, the one about creating a time machine. So that's four hours of my life I'm definitely getting back. Just <laughs> absolutely slayed me. I'm sorry if I butchered the joke in the telling. No, no, and no, that's that's good. Similarly, the one about um, getting a 3D printer, printing a 3D printer, and then taking the first one back because you kept the receipt is just. Those are both like really simple and they particularly because they're both a bit time loopy that's my (laughs) that's my thing but they're just kind of like they're those sorts of jokes where you go oh it's been staring me in the face do you know what I mean like it's a silly it's a really silly very you very personal kind of take on a topic but they feel like really archetypal jokes like that's the 3d printer joke do you know what I mean In, in a way that's really it's very satisfying to hear yeah so so in the writing of those jokes are they just doodles are they just thoughts that you blurt out are you doing any in the same way that you would draw a moon baboon and draw it twenty five times to nail it are you doing a similar process with here's a thought here's it refined here's it refined further now it's finished I, I, and if there is a version of that process is it on stage or or is
1: it in I just a abbreviated the
0: process to pros <laughs> I don't know what
1: in that pro well, my, my my pros <laughs> um, it, it, it's a weird i don't I, i'm not one I tried it. I tried sitting down doing big flow charts and I I've, I've, I've bought books about joke writing when I first started and I would try doing the kind of techniques and stuff and, you know, they were great for generating ideas and but I found my best jokes have come through having an idea or hearing a phrase or, you know, like yesterday I heard someone say the phrase being too hard on yourself and instantly that is logged and that is in my head now and I'm thinking mm. there's got to be a joke being mm-hmm. too hard on myself and I'm thinking is it something to do with brass rubbing is it something to mm-hmm. and that will go on now and I'll be spinning six or seven plates and I'll, I'll make a note of just too hard on myself in my phone but I'm processing in the background and it it, it always happens in the shower as um, okay. probably a lot of people say I it, it, I heard something about the the ions being positively or negatively charged when you're in the shower that's bullshit but um It's it's not necessarily a process. I've tried doing the sitting down and writing. It's now a case of I'll come back to it and something will sound. And when I think I've got it, I tend to put it on Twitter. And then if it gets a relatively good kind of reaction, I think well, I'll say that a, a new material night, or I'll I'll just slip it in between a few you know things that I know work, and it might work, it might not work. It might need. I mean, you, if, you've spoken if it works, to, you've spoken if it to works. enough comedians. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if it works really well, do you then take it off Twitter? So as not to give it away, no, or no. do you leave it? Okay, because I know some I, people prune their Twitter like they prune the either the really good ones they're going to save up, or the bad ones that they're. let's pretend that never happened. You know.
1: I, I think I think people who do that have probably got a. <laughs> no, I don't want to be nasty. I was going to say an inflated <laughs> um, opinion of what the audiences remember or what the audiences care about. Yeah, right. I I've sure. got jokes. I mean, I've got I've got my my chicken tea towel has got some of my best jokes on. So I, this was my this was the merch for the Edinburgh that didn't happen. Was uh, it's,
0: oh, it's,
1: it's yes. it, this all came from. Um, oh, that's
0: great. Immediately tell me where my listeners can buy the Olaf Falafel Chicken Tea Towel. Can well, we buy it online I, or only at gigs?
1: It might, it, well, it, it's actually out of stock.
0: <laughs> I,
1: <laughs> I, so when, when the pandemic, the old pando hit, the panda, um, these, I made a couple of hundred of these expecting to go up to Edinburgh. Obviously, it was on, off, on, off, off. Yeah. And I sold them anyway through my social media. Amazing. And I didn't re-up, but I was going to re-up for, this Edinburgh, which I'm going to and is going to be wonderful and it's either that or my my show's called Stoat. Yeah. Which it's... You, you know the goat is the greatest of all time. Stoat oh, is yeah. stupidest of all time. <laughs> ah, lovely. Um, and I was going to make some Stoat bags, which are tote bags, but have Stoats telling jokes. Um, gotcha. So almost like a Chicken Tita Mark II with... Because these are sort of old good jokes. <laughs> yeah, but, right, gotcha. I mean, some of them some of them, I still do tell. Um, what have I got here? Uh, I mean, that was from that was from the Cheese of Truth. How does Mister Miyagi eat his baby bell? Wax on, wax off. Uh, this, this I, I like this one. I saw a witch and a lion trying to carry a huge wardrobe into next door. I asked, "What are you up to? What are you up to?" And they said, "None of your business." So, so they're they're all in there. Um. But I mean, I will still say those and people still laugh when I say them. So I don't think there's I don't buy necessarily into that kind of once it's on Twitter, you can't say it on stage or if it sure. beca- nah.
0: people, Oh, just on, on the subject, on the subject of kind of repurposing stuff, which is not that's not quite what we're talking about. But I remember suddenly that you were massive on Vine <laughs> and, and I've just been look, I was looking at your TikTok earlier this morning and I think I remember some of those. Have you repurposed some of your Vines for TikToks? Like um, the
1: ironing, ironing the hand. Or oh, yeah. Little... That, that, that was, yeah. I think some of them I did. Um, I think the majority of them aren't, but yeah, some of them I did. Yeah.
0: Okay. I, I I'm, think... not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to catch you out. Like, hey, no, no, sir, no, 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 no sir, not your, at all. TikToks I'm, I'm, are just
1: vines. I'm but... on Twitter as well. I'm a, I'm a healthy recycler. I will, <laughs> as part of my kind of daily routine is checking back what I tweeted on this day last year, two years ago, four years ago, and thinking, well it's been a year yeah i'll repost that and see if people appreciate it now and sometimes they do sometimes it is so kind of weird and fleeting and what yeah. will be like i will do a joke about um i'm trying to think of a good example of something that got nothing and me thinking well that deserved you know the whole well, that deserved more um and then doing it a year later and it getting 300 retweets or whatever a, a marker of success is Yeah, but it's it's so ephemeral and so unmeasurable so I, that's part of my routine and some people said oh that was um wasn't funny the first when you did it some people follow me and make a note of oh, you've done that before type thing. I'm like, I'm like, um, I, I I tend to, I, I did have a little um, really crappy voucher that I'd made that said, um, this voucher entitles you to 50% of your next uh, Twitter subscription. To- <laughs> and sort of take a photo and say, here you go. Sorry for that. Um- <laughs>
0: that's lovely. That's a really you response. I like that a lot. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, that, that, that's in in the 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 hope of kind of rekindling some old stuff that might actually have gold and it has worked on a few occasions there, there's one bit that i did quite a while ago i think it might have been like six or seven years ago and it was all about the the henry the eighth's wives mnemonic mm. divorced beheaded died divorced beheaded survived and my thought was oh i i i sort of i've got this handy mnemonic that tells me what happened to Henry VIII's wives. You may know it. It's died, 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 died. (laughs) And I kind of like that because that's my kind of level of humour. And I, I tried it where did I try it? I tried it on stage someone. I it worked really well and then I expanded that to actually that works for every single monarch throughout British history so I say that <laughs> on stage now and so I just say it also works for every single British monarch across history and here you go it goes like this died, died, died yeah, yeah. Died, 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 died and I carry on for you know and then I, I expanded on that and I thought well it could be funny actually if I hand the mic over to someone halfway through and see whether they say died or not and if they say yeah. died I say you've got it and then <laughs> carry on <laughs> die, 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 die. and then go to someone else and if they say died I say no she's still alive uh, and kind of berate them for being anti-Queen Elizabeth and yeah, you know, sure. wishing death upon her majesty <laughs> but that that all came from a little tweet and it kind of but it was a tweet that I did ages ago
0: yes and, then and then had, I not, and, have, had yeah. I not
1: have recycled it with my kind yeah. of going back this time last year this time five years ago um it, it wouldn't have turned into a, a bit and now it's a bit i kind of like because i can kind of play around with it and have a bit of fun with it as well as it being a joke there's a bit of audience in there yeah using
0: your business eye which i assume is the one without the party ring <laughs> let's talk about social media and the outcome of social media because um, i joined tiktok on friday and I've suddenly got eight thousand followers at the moment. I had a video that's got like I think it's got three million things on it. It's like a thirty-second joke, and it just went bananas. It was the second thing I ever put on TikTok. It's gone. I've seen bananas. it. I've seen it. It's wonderful. Have you seen the, uh, the yeah, sign language? The yeah, sniper. yeah, the sign language. Yeah, right. yeah. Thank Brilliant. you. I mean, it's it's interesting because I can look at that analytically and go, okay, short joke, good bit. Definitely, it's it's clearly it was on telly, so it was high production values, and it combines the worlds of parenting and gaming, arguably slash the army. And also, I mean, it's it's one of my best ever jokes, really pleased with it. It's, you know, it pressed all the air out of it because it was on the TV set. Um, and it also probably in the first second, it says baby sign language, which is an intriguing premise. So I can look at that and go, OK, that maybe that's why it went. And it, it went, it's got like five million now, I think, on Instagram reels where someone else put it up there to advertise a gig. So I'm in this very like, I'm in this ludicrous position of going, hey, there may be something to this putting material online <laughs> like in 2022. Um, but part of what I'm sort of thinking, OK, if I'm going to invest time and maybe money for someone else's time to edit stuff and put it together and filter everything. like How do I what turn are the, this into a thing? Well, yeah. What are the actual outcomes that you have? Like, are you like my brain immediately? The first thing I think is, oh, this is good. I could start selling merch instead of tickets and never leave the house. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. But like, um... what, like, what are the actual tangible benefits of it besides i mean obviously the the main one is oh that's it took me a week to stop and go oh actually hundreds of thousands of people watched that joke and liked it and said so that's a really nice feeling you know i'm not a big social media um, person so i that's mean good. Uh,
1: there, there are comedians who are far more ruthless in their kind of pursuit of the dollar than i am i'm yeah i i I've, I've got two i've sold 200 chicken tea towels <laughs> but i i'm not selling out the o2 i'm not you yeah. know you've you've got adam rose doing fantastic things with uh have a word and you've got you know loads of people who are kind of really i bumped into nigel Ung, uncle roger yeah. weirdly in philadelphia i i was out there amazing, and I, I, it was weird i i i was doing so i'm i'm an illustrator uh commercial and as well as being a comedian so that's kind of where I get most of my money a lot of my money from doing uh I I was
0: I was I was going to ask what's the backstory of all this incredible creative freedom aren't you desperate to make money out of oh no you've got a job great yeah I do do
1: have a job that pays quite well so there's 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 part of that where I haven't got the fear I haven't got the yeah. fear where if this doesn't work, then shit. But then I think the reason I haven't got the fear is because I've got two kids and I can't have the fear when I've got two kids who are 10 and 13. I need to have that steady kind of, um, but anyway, I, I was doing a, a job in Philadelphia. I do a lot of live drawing at corporate events. So they'll uh, have yes. like three or 400 people in a room to talk about this. Uh, this one was all about talcum powder. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it was, it was a, a mining company. I didn't realize you kind of mine talcum powder, but, uh, and they were from all over. And then as they were talking about the ways forward and I was there drawing trophies and people shaking hands and all these kind of like making a big wall of doodles on a thing. And I do quite a lot of that. And it's, it's a skill, um, that not all illustrators can do because of the, the nature of illustrators as uh, huge generalization being quite insular and quite introverted and quite, not necessarily liking being around lots of other people. Um gotcha. But that's kind of where my comedy Venn diagrammy thing and that kind of have channeled me into a slightly different illustration bit. But I was out in Philadelphia. I'd just finished uh, quite a long day's worth of... It was actually before the event. I had to do quite a lot of prep, boring stuff. Um, and I was just popping out to get <laughs> a vegan takeaway. Um, and... I was tucking into these vegan chicken nuggets and I sort of did that double take and it was, it was Nigel. I was like, Nigel. And he sort of walked past me. And was like, Oh, laugh. What are you doing here? And he, but he's, he was doing the first of two dates in Philadelphia. And I went along and I, he got me in and I was, oh, I mean, he's lovely. I knew him before, I knew him before he was famous. Sure. Um, But it it was it was great to see, and he's sort of going back to the initial point. He's someone who's definitely knows, yeah, how it works and how to monetize it and how to make the most of it. I'm 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 in it for the the warm fuzzy feeling, which sounds terrible, but I I'll do something like I did a, a Jurgen Klopp impression with a train ticket. Have you seen that? No, I don't think I've seen that no, one. No, so it's um, it's getting a train ticket. And when you've got the magnetic bar and the white, you put it in your mouth and it kind of looks like teeth. And then you've okay, got the cap yeah. and the glasses. And that went sort of massively viral at the beginning. of It might have been 2020. And then recently, because Liverpool... I know you're not a massive football fan, Stu, but you might have heard that Liverpool are doing quite well. Um, and they're... <laughs> For some reason, uni lad, uni bible, lad bible, one of those picked it up. And again, I was getting people who are like non-comedy mates who I, who I play football with or who I hang around, uh, outside of comedy sort of saying, Oh, so, uh, got sent you off, uh, for a Jürgen Klopp thing the other day. <laughs> and it's just th- little things like that. Monetarily, nothing, but it's just a little, uh, you know, see, I am quite funny. And a lot, a lot of the people who I play football with and a lot of my mates are, who aren't comedy mates are plumbers, electricians, brickies, uh, tilers, that kind of thing. And we'll go and we'll have a few beers with and we'll go and watch the football. And it's, I'm not funny. (laughs) I'm, oh, that Kevin Bridges is funny. That, that um, uh, Mickey Fanagan, he's funny. <laughs> what, what are you tittering around with, bloody silly things? But you know, when a, when a, a video that I've made, oh yeah, you you came on, on my WhatsApp. A bloke sent me uh, you on the WhatsApp the other day. That to me is a little. <laughs> there's a little kind of see. Some people. <laughs> <laughs> I love visiting schools with the books. Uh, I love. Teaching them how to draw, and I love showing them uh, a bit about me. I, I start off with a bit where I say that I've got six jobs. Um, and then I, I pull up a little, I say, I make a little joke about how you can count the amount of jobs I have on the fingers of one hand, and then I do a little drawing of a hand with six fingers, because all the kids are going, <laughs> and then they see the drawing, and they're like, ah. um, and I've got, I'm an illustrator, an author, I'm a comedian, I'm a dad, I'm the host of Art Club, and I'm also a football coach for my daughter's team, and they they love all of these things, and I, I love showing them uh just that it's, you're right, you don't have to necessarily grow up too quickly. And I get quite a lot of teachers will say, again, it's a bit like with the art club, with the, vid- uh, the emails from the parents. I'll get quite often in the staff room afterwards or in the canteen or with the other teachers, they'll say, oh, well, Joshua, he's he's he never normally speaks. And for the next hour, all he would do would draw uh, cheese or blobfish. Sorry, I've got... I've been doing blobfishes because I've got another book to blobfish. Lovely. All with what he's been doing is drawing blobfish, and he, they keep talking about them. Um, the The football posters you do, and they keep talking. So I, I, I love that kind of. I guess it's like being being a role model, <laughs> or not necessarily a role model, but something to show you that there's there's different paths out there. You don't necessarily, For not sure. that I want any kids to necessarily be a comedian, but. Um,
0: <laughs> do you, do you think that you're, um, Oh, just before we move off Vine, I had one last, one last question about Vine, which was to do with, obviously they closed Vine. Like you yeah. had a big following on it. And it was one of those ones where you were in at entry level. you built a big following. You've done all of this material. And then one day they just <laughs> announced, Oh, we're pulling it. And I'm just trying to imagine the equivalent now, if they just shut down Instagram, like yeah. the extent to f- which so relieved. many people
1: did you? That's gone. Yeah. I felt quite relieved because I I set myself actually I, I I did say before we were on air that the last I'm a, I'm a com completist and the last one I listened to was the Rob Deering one and there was a point in that one that I think you were talking about setting yourself it was to do with exercise and setting yourself kind of. Targets and I'd set my with vine, I'd set myself a target of making two vines a week, which doesn't sound a lot, but with my vines, they needed to have some kind of silly idea or some kind of funny little animation, like the one where I ironed over my hand and then there was a paper hand. And, um, they, they required a bit of thought, and it got to the point where it became a bit of a, a millstone, a bit of an albatross where I'd go around. Th- Thinking, oh, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And I'd be picking up a stapler, going, "Oh, is this a phone? No, oh, let's do." It. And it, when they announced Vine was gone, I just thought, "You know what? I've, I've enjoyed it. It's been fun. Let's move on to the next thing." There is, there's that kind of element about myself where I do like to kind of keep moving or, you know, there's, there's, this over here. That, that's, that was fun. You know, I've made some good friends in Twitter through Vine and who I'm still really good friends with who will still call me up. And if I need a favor from them, they will. So, you know, there's good things, but I mean, yeah, perhaps someone else would look at it and think, yeah, that was my life. What am I going to do now?
0: Yeah. Well, you make me feel very craven because like, the first thing I'd do if if I was in your position with Vine and they were shutting it down, when they made that announcement, the first thing I'd do is is spend a week or longer trying to craft the perfect video which would convince all of the people that saw it to join my mailing list so I could take them with me or do something structural (laughs) like that to go, I need this. You know, because that's the question, really. If you are... Are you able, with all of this creativity that's pushing out there, are you inclined to, and and are you able to turn it into something tangible, whether that's ticket sales or whether it's a following or, you know, you've got thousands of people on your YouTube channel. It sort of feels like... If I was your manager, not, 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 not like your that, agent kind of thing, but it like well, is there a person, is it like your partner or, or someone who is saying to you, Jesus Christ, Olaf, do, tie it all together? Or, or is that less... That, I mean, it doesn't matter now I you think that you've got the children's books.
1: That is probably the, the one area where I probably do lack... <laughs> that sounds really both not the one area, but that is one of the no, major no, no. areas totally, where I do lack exactly. like is is having someone who can see the wood for the trees. Whereas I'm very much like, oh, this is fun, and then I'll go off and do this, and then I'm like, well, I've got that bubbling away in the back of my head, and that the and then I have to make myself to do list. But I need, so I, I I don't have a comedy agent. I've got a, a liter a literary agent, and I've actually got two illustration agents one for the live stuff, one for more day-to-day stuff and they're great at keeping the um the financial side but for the comedy side that's kind of all me and i've, I've approached agents at various points within the last 10 years um I, I think the general consensus is they don't know what to do with me <laughs> and yeah, i think right. quite a lot of them think oh you're doing all right This is me surmising, and from chats is like, well, you you seem to be kind of you're on this, but there's there's part of me that thinks actually I could probably do with that person who would say, no, 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 what you want to be doing is uh, making this thing focus focus on this,
0: direct all of your energy on this, and use it as a stepping stone intentionally to go A, B, C. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, but then you you are doing all right. You seem very happy. yeah, I, 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 find, I, I find myself I sometimes thinking, I'll worry about what to do next, and then after weeks of worrying, I'll think, what problem am I trying to solve here? <laughs> do not you know what I mean? Is there a problem? Is is there a problem?
1: I, I've not got a problem, no. My only problem is when I don't have stuff to think about. Um, Like, I've literally just handed in yesterday the first draft of Trixie Pickle Art Avenger 2, which is really weird, because it's taken me... I find... The the writing of chapter books are a lot more difficult, especially. So these books are for reluctant readers, which are basically uh, not necessarily just boys, but I think it tends to be more boys, which is a weird sell as well because it's a girl main character. But I wanted to do something that was with it. Do you know the Wimpy Kid books, Diary of a Wimpy Kid? Yes. Kids? Yeah, yeah. So they're heavily illustrated, lots of cartoons. I love yes. so. Jeff, they're really Jeff non th-
0: non threatening chapter books, aren't they?
1: Yeah, yeah, completely. And I wanted mine to be that. But the writing is very direct. It takes out all of the florid descriptions, all of the, as I walked down the corridor, the hairs on the back of my neck pricked up and I could smell uh, sulfur in and all that kind of what children's books. So my own two and I've said it in my heartfelt letter, my own two children, they are far advanced of my reading age. I'm a reluctant reader myself. I love the Beano. I love the Ha Ha Bonk book. I love the Wimpy Kid books. I love Viz. I love things that are funny, but don't require a lot of effort. Um, But writing that is a lot more difficult than it seemed because you have to be so succinct. You have to get rid of... I'm not saying that children's books that use a lot of those kind of senses and uh, sort of world-building-y type kind of uh, descriptiveness. But this, you almost have to pare it down to the joke. And it is filled with lots of kind of funny bits. There's obviously, you need bits to get from A to B, trying to make them as funny as possible. But yeah, I, fi- I find that really tricky. And I've just kind of... Where was I? I was trying to think where I was in my chain of thought. I've just put... um that Oh, draft. yes, the, the, the draft oh, yeah, the of the draft. second one, yeah. The draft of the second one down. And then for a second, I had a, what do I do now? And then I thought, uh, you've got tons of stuff. And I made a to-do list. And I've got like 16 different things on it, ranging from, you've got to do your Edinburgh poster. You've got to do uh, a little promotional video for Blobfish. You've got to do a little thing for that. You've got these uh, illustration coming up that you're doing for a Crocs, like a corporate thing. And then you've got a... You can, you've got that idea that's in the back of your head about the video with I've got I've got I've got an idea, it came into my head yesterday, and I'm thinking I've got to make that. It's imagining I mean it it's the sort of thing that might I might do and I'll put it on Twitter and it'll fail, but it's a video where imagining that language has been replaced by the stings from 90s sitcoms so like the or the Seinfeld kind of uh, so just doing people sort of you know do you want a cup of tea or a cup of coffee but instead of asking they are going and it's just replaced with that and I think that could be funny but when am I going to have time to do that so that's on my to-do list um how how do you
0: feel about all the work do you find it exciting to have a huge to-do list or do you find it oh you do like there's nothing nothing negative but you don't think oh christ when am i going to do it am i capable Um, is there any kind of like negative self-talk of like can i oh christ i don't know how i'm going to solve that problem i don't know what am I? can i do this will i be good enough is any of that kind of stuff or is there none of that i've i've I've,
1: um i've always found that stuff happens and stuff eventually by hook or by crook appears if I just sometimes I need to not sleep much <laughs> to do it and my other half will be in bed and I'll be sat there with a laptop animating a man shaking maracas or something and she'll be like "Oh, what time is it? I'll be like it's 3am I'm on frame 9 or whatever <laughs> Um but th- there are bread and butter illustration things that I'm not going to talk about because they're boring but pay well and they're things and I'm not going to because I need them. And I would hate yeah. to people to hear that I don't enjoy doing them. But there are things that aren't necessarily as creatively fulfilling. Yeah. And they'll be on my to-do list. And I'll think, well, I'll do that first. And then I can do the nice stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's not necessarily that I look at that and I think, oh, I'm not going to do it, Because history has taught me that I'll always do it in the end. And, like, I've got... Um, So the launch of both of these books. So one's being launched in June, Blobfish, which is the picture book. And then one's being launched in July, which is the chapter book. And then around those, you get a hub of activity, visiting schools, bookshops, that sort of thing. And because I want to go above and beyond, I'm like, well, I I want to go and do some windows like paint on some windows within bookshops because they look really good and then people come up and talk to you and then they're more likely to stock it and then they're more likely to say oh we have that Olaf in, and he did as a window. I've literally had it yesterday I had right. s- someone from Waterstones who handles like four or five places in Kent who said oh we were talking to the Waterstones in Harpenden which is like next sort of- Luton where I live has a real dearth of bookshops uh, but you've got Hitchin which isn't far, and you've got Harpenden and they both got nice little bookshops. And I've been to both of them. They said, Yeah, come along, do us a window and I'll visit a school whilst I'm at it there and there. And so there there's all these things, but I've got to think, right, <laughs> I've got a I've got to work out what I'm actually doing on the window. I've I've done a test on my shower screen just to make sure the paints all work and everything and then but that's all on my to-do list. But it's all fun. Like I'll come home and or the kids will come home and they'll be like, what have you done today? And I'll be like, I've painted a blobfish on the shower screen. And, <laughs> and it, it's the, I, that, that's one of the highlights of my day is, and I'm going to miss it as well. My, my youngest is 10 and she's in year six. Next year she goes up to high school with the one where my 13 year old goes to. And I love walking her in in the morning because it's a nice start to the day, but also because we talk about stuff and talk going all the way back to the wheelie bin. Uh, there's there's little people that we give names to, like people that you see every day. It's like a fifteen minute walk. There's Yappy Dog, which is a dog that just there's a little gap under a fence and he sniffs his nose under and he he basically shits people up as you walk. If you don't know he's there, you'll be walking past and all of a sudden, ah, da, da, and you go, Shh. so there's all these different characters and we talk about. We were talking about the other day about hiring. Wouldn't it be cool if you could hire out IKEA and have one just massive game of hide and seek? It might well have been done before, but, <laughs> um, I, I, I will miss that when it's gone. And when I pick her up, she has this wonderful friendship group who are like really, w- like diverse, different sort of backgrounds, uh, ethnicities. Uh, languages like her best friends are all Polish. Uh, it's great, and but they know me as I always see them. I'll be like, "Hey, nerds," and <laughs> and they'll be going, they go, "Hi, <laughs> Dad."
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. That's how they
1: know me, and they they'll ask me what I've been up to today, and I'll say like, "Oh, I've just been trying to make a song about blobfish," or so I've I've made a. Again, it's it's the over-delivering part of me. Uh, the people at Walker Books asked me for a little ten-second animation about blobfish, and I thought, well, I've got to do a song about blobfish and an animation, and it just means that I, it takes twice as long. But for me, it feels if I can give it the love, then more yeah. people will love it. If you know what I mean?
0: How do you how do you prioritize which thing to do? That's when tricky you've got as well. Twenty things on your list.
1: That's tricky. Um, it's... <laughs> And I, I do, if there's anyone out there who I've let down, <laughs> um, sometimes I do, uh, things do slide and do slip and I do get the, oh shit moment. I've double booked that or I've not done that in time. And experience has always taught me that we can work around these things. Nothing is a, de- especially in publishing. Yeah. They're, they're really bad with deadlines, but to answer, to, answer your question that, uh, it, it, it tends to be a lot in my head, which isn't a great system. And it mm-hmm. tends to be what, whatever kind of screams the loudest gets fed. If you know, whatever's nearest, uh, in proximity or whatever, sometimes it is whatever I'm most excited about, I will do. And yeah. my other half will be going, um, <laughs> I think behind me is an example. I, 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 had, um, stretch Armstrong and I, I had a stretch Armstrong that stress top toy thing and I just thought well that'd be a cool thing to paint and I should have been doing something and she came back from work and she said oh did you do the and I went no but I painted stretched arms it's, it's a stretched <laughs> canvas do you get it it's a stretched canvas <laughs> she's like okay so you 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 haven't done the chapter that you were supposed to do and went, nah. <laughs> but but that sometimes if an idea excites me or I think oh, I've got to do this I've got to do I I do wonder sometimes, though, I do feel bad if I'm putting stuff out on Twitter and I'm meant to be doing something else and someone's watching it thinking, oh, he's got time to do. Yeah. You're the artist. You're the emails. artist.
0: <laughs> You're allowed to do what you want. Um, last question.
1: Are you happy? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've not got anything to not be happy about. I'm. I'm I guess I'm the the one worry would be going back to am I setting a good example to my ch- they'll both grow up to be accountants, um yeah I'm happy. <laughs>
0: So that was Olaf Falafel, who you can follow on Twitter at O -O Falafel and everything else at Olaf Falafel, uh, including his website, OlafFalafel.com. It'd be great to not say that anymore for a week or so to let my mouth recover. Thank you so much to Derek, uh, Derek Chickpeas there, creator of Olaf Falafel and host and sort of drone operator. However, else you want to put it, um, really, really fun chatting to him. Um, so go and seek him out and see his stuff. He'll be in Edinburgh and he'll be doing all sorts of stuff. And check out if you've got kids, do look at uh, Olaf Falafel's art club and subscribe to his YouTube. It's very, very funny and warm and sweet and uplifting. And you can completely see just a cursory glance will certainly convince you of uh, what he was saying about the, the the lovely sort of effusive comments he got about it, about kids, you know, drawing for the first time, all that stuff. Really, really lovely. This podcast is at comcompod on Twitter. Go to comedianscomedian.com to find out more about it. I promise I'll change that website soon. I'm really tired of it now. Um, find me on Instagram and TikTok at Stuart Goldsmith Comedy and everything else I'm up to at StuartGoldsmith.com, including all of those uh, dates for new material stuff coming up within two hours of Bristol. I mean, if you're not even in the UK, you're going to really struggle. But um, uh, hello to Mark Saltvite. I guess that's how I'm pronouncing his name. I've only ever seen it written down. Who is a ComCom fan, also a comic, also an insider who came along to see me in Bristol. We had a whale of a time and then he apparently had a lovely set at Chops as well. So thanks to Mark. Great to meet you. Looking forward to seeing you uh, up at the Edinburgh Festival. So, oh, there we go. Why don't we talk about this? I'll do the thank yous first, and then let's talk about Edinburgh. So thank you to Olaf for coming on the show. Um, Thanks to Moz, uh, new logger Moz, for uh, doing the log for me. Thank you to Nathan Wood for editing and uploading the show. And thank you to you for uh, uploading... And thank you to you for sharing the show and telling people about it and leaving nice reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts from. Um, all of those reviews are very helpful and help us remain visible in the face 10 years in of every single radio network, uh, realising that they can just podcast all of their content. It makes it very difficult to get in the top 100 these days, but we cling on. We do cling on. Um that's that who's on next oh i don't have anything in the can but i've got some belters lined up i'll tell you more about them when we get there um what i was going to say was there is a thread in the oh this is okay goodbye uh, i'll post them in a second but go away unless you're sticking around OK, so in the uh, Facebook group, there is now a thread which is pinned, which is which represents all of the people who are in the Facebook group, listeners to the show, fans of the show, what have you, who are themselves doing shows up in Edinburgh. So if you're looking for a place to start, if it's your first or look, if it's your 29th trip to Edinburgh, as I believe it is mine... Um, it's always overwhelming. You never know what to go and see. So you could certainly do worse than to go to the uh, the Comcom Facebook group, look at that pinned thread and check out all of the lovely people who are listeners to the show. And consequently, one would hope better at stand-up than anyone else, simply by virtue of occasionally tuning in to this. Um, you can see them and work out who they are and where. And someone will inevitably do a spreadsheet, which reminds me we must be getting on for Spreadsheet Day sometime soon. Let's formalise that. I'll talk about it in the Facebook group and in the Insider Slack channel. Um, And we will come up with a day that is Spreadsheet Day, on which we all share our painstakingly crafted spreadsheets of all the shows we're going to go and see. So look out for the hashtag Spreadsheet Day. Just Spreadsheet Day. No, I was going to put a date on it. There's no point. No one else is doing it. Um... Uh, hashtag spreadsheet day. Uh, look out for that. We will do that on Twitter for a start. I'll probably put it on the gram as well. Yes, I've been learning about things. Um, so uh, we'll do that. But that's a really good way to, I mean, basically, if you're going out to Edinburgh, you can pretty much with just a couple of tweaks, you can just copy someone else's spreadsheet and just go, there we go. Let's not be overwhelmed. Let's just all go and see what you're going to see. And maybe we'll all go and see some stuff together as well. I am there the 4th to the 11th And absolutely cannot wait. Right. Anything else? This is the point where I feel like I should have written some bullet points. Oh, I tell you what, why don't we just talk about Darren Brown for a minute? I saw Darren Brown's show, Showman, which has been going on since. It's been going on for a while. It started last year. I think reviewers are not allowed to tell you anything about the show, so neither will I, except to say that I loved it. I know enough widdly little bits and bobs about magic and mentalism to know how some of the tricks are done but it's not about the tricks and that's the genius of Darren Brown I remember seeing him in oh somewhere in London years and years ago can't remember which show it was Sven Gali maybe um and he did a he did a bit in I think it opened the second half and it combined two effects both of which are Some of the most fun teach you in 10 seconds, throw away daft little tricks like I know both of them. And I'm like, oh, those are lovely. And I was watching him going, oh, my God, he's not he's not simply getting A and connecting it to B and then framing the whole thing. He is you unbelievable bastard. This is brilliant. And it was brilliant. And that is the genius of Darren Brown. I believe Andy Nyman, a previous guest on this podcast, uh, and Andrew O'Connor also worked on this show with him. Um, but the their combined genius and the sort of through through what Darren does and how he does it is less to do with the tricks, which are brilliant and surprising and inventive and all of those things. But it's the fact of how he holds it together, how he frames it, how, the meaning that kind of bubbles up out of it, and it's just wonderful. And without giving anything away, if you are a fan of Edinburgh shows and. If you enjoy, as I know lots of us do, the structure of Edinburgh hours and the the sort of the rhythms and the pace and the decisions that get make that get made in opposition or or in parallel to other Edinburgh shows to the, to the genre, then I think it is safe to say that you will particularly enjoy this show it's called showman it's on tour still i don't know if, um, how much longer it's on tour for but I, I certainly hope this goes out before it ends it's not like i'm <laughs> doing official pr for him and i'm uh, i don't have time right now to google his, uh, his tour dates but if you get the chance to see it it blew my head off it blew my head off and i sat there being an, an imperfect audience member um because i'm kind of going oh i think i i think i get that oh that's clever oh god no lost me totally what oh my oh that Oh, my heart. Just great. Just absolutely great. So if you get the chance, go and see uh, Darren Brown. He's very much our Darren Brown. So that's that. That'll do me for now. Um, I'm going to get on with um, oh, just, you know, the general mincing about that makes up a life. The Boutros can swim. And uh, he learnt last time. And uh, last, I missed the last session because I was gigging. So uh, I am going to go and take the Boutros swimming. And those ha. Those There's some pings there, and uh, the pings are Olaf sending me, as we speak, the cover art for this show, uh, for this episode. So thank you, everybody. Uh, this has been great fun, and I've got some belters still to come. Speak to you soon. Oh, if any of you know Devin Brown personally, give me a shout, because obviously I would love to interview him specifically about the comedy elements of his show and how he uses comedy, because he does brilliantly. Um, so if you know him and can hook me up, not like if you're pals with his agent, but if you are personally connected to him, as I know one or two of you are, um, give me a shout. Goodbye forever.